Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Dot com slash. The following program is sponsored by Reaching Hearts Ministries. Hello and welcome back to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Mike's message today is entitled Faith, Fear, and Fire. We hope that you enjoy it. Our phone number here is 877-788-5371. If you're in the Washington, D.C. area, make sure you stop by the worship service. I'll have all of those details at the close of our message today. So stay with me for just a few seconds afterwards. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentanko. Dear Father God, faith is not perfection. Faith is what you have given to us to get there. And I pray today as we bow our heads, may every one of us here realize that we do in fact live in the toenails of human history. And that when those who stand upon the sea of glass stand, they'll be those who sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. They'll be those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Father, it is so easy to fall in love with what we have, where we live, and what we own. Help us to be children of Abraham, who left his home, who left Ur the Chaldees to find a place that is right at the end of the rainbow, moving from east to west to the end of time. May we find that city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God, just like Abraham is seeking. May we find it on the same day that Abraham finds it. In Jesus' name, amen. Claire Rutherford thought she had a mild case of the flu. Has anyone had the flu here recently? When I know that a lot of people have flu, sometimes I shake hands in church. You notice I will not extend my full hand. The reason for that is I have found that I get sick. If the flu is in the church, I shake so many hands, I end up getting the flu every year. So sometimes I'll do that if I think it's a time for it. You know, the flu is something that, as of late, we have learned in the news that there's a viral strain that's been developed in a laboratory, a, a morphine of this horrible flu that could kill folk, that can kill them a little more efficiently. And so now the flu has become a major problem in our culture. And so staying away from it is obviously a good idea. But she did not have the flu. Claire Rutherford did not have the flu. She did not get over it either, what she had. She had viral encephalitis, and during her 11-week stay in the hospital, the virus inflamed her brain and damaged her memory. After 11 weeks in the hospital, an inflammation of the brain had left her as a woman who could barely remember her own name. To make matters worse, she had, the condition here is hard for me to pronounce, prosopagnosia, I think I said it right, which is an inability to remember faces. When her family gathered around her bed to comfort her, she couldn't recognize them at all. Imagine that, looking at your husband and not knowing who he is except through his voice, not being able to recognize the face of the one you love. The therapist brought family pictures to her. She couldn't recognize the face in the pictures. Unbelievable. She would read something and then forget it as soon as she read it. And when she came home, she couldn't find her way through her own house. Basic household skills were lost. 
She would hold a fork in her hand, struggling for the memory to use it correctly. Her kitchen was like planet Mars to her. Every surface and drawer in her kitchen was an alien, undiscovered part of a foreign world. She couldn't boil an egg or make a cup of tea anymore. She couldn't feed her family from the stove. She had to learn all over again. She felt nervous about sharing a bedroom with a husband she couldn't recognize and a house with children she couldn't remember. One little virus essentially ruined her life and rendered her powerless in relationship to her family. She calls it the virus that made me forget my family. The famous evolutionary scientist Richard Dawkins has compared faith in Jesus Christ to a virus that infects families when children are young. Imagine that. I mean, his secular mind is so warped that he has come to believe that faith in Jesus Christ or faith at all is a virus that infects children and has ruined our society. He believes that religious beliefs mimic the way a virus infects a host. Faith comes to a man or woman, and then before you know it, the virus of religion spreads to a son or daughter, and then it jumps to others and infects social institutions and creates social ills. And he is hell-bent on curing the world of this virus. If he can just get faith out of our culture, if he can bring us to a rationalistic worldview where we no longer have faith in Jesus, then he believes the world will be a better place to live. According to Richard Dawkins, when a child learns faith from a parent, he or she is infected with the virus of faith. Now, personally, I hope we infect every child here with the virus of faith. He writes this, Children are wide open to mental infections that adults might brush off without effort, rendering them easy prey to Moonies, Scientologists, and nuns. In the Bible, friend, faith is not a disease. Faith is the cure. The Bible teaches that we are all infected with the virus of broken faith. We're infected with a sin attitude that has taken us away from a living relationship with God. Spiritual doubt is part of the virus that is part of the human condition. And because of the virus of original sin that starts with Adam and has come into our lives, it is so easy for us to not recognize that God is our Father, that prayer is a simple step of reaching out to someone we cannot see but who sees us. And through faith we can know that God is there. William Shakespeare once wrote, Our doubts are traitors and makes us lose the good we oft might win by fearing to attempt. Friend, faith in Jesus is not the problem in your life. Faith is the cure for your life. Faith in Jesus is the cure for the virus that makes you forget God in the middle of the week. Faith in Christ is the cure that overcomes those fears that you are afraid of, of broken health, of an unsecured future. Faith in Jesus brings God's goodness into your life when you are striving to be good. When God came to Abram in Genesis 15:1 for the first time in his life in a way that was very special, Abram felt the cold chill of doubt and fear that had held him at some points in his past and now had a new strength for him. He had just conquered the kings from the north who had kidnapped his nephew Lot together with the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. He was a military man now. In his old age, he had settled down with the odious reputation of being a military man. The mantra traveled like wildfire. Abram is a man of war. Abram killed the kings from the north. And Abram was wise enough to know that a man of war is a target in a land that is hard to live in. Abram was too old to be a target anymore. Fear settled inside him, and Abram became afraid of an uncertain future. 
I mean, that sense, Abram's day sounds like our time, doesn't it? We live in a day where you step out, you say something, you do something, you become a target in the world that we're living in. Genesis 15, 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what wilt thou give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, thou hast given me no offspring, and a slave born in my house will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir, for your own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And then the famous verse, verse 6, And he believed the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. God addressed Abram's fear in three concrete interventions. Intervention number one. God assured Abram that he would be with him as a living shield. I don't know about you, but I need protection in life. Do you need protection in life? Or do you feel you have a handle on it and you just don't need anyone to look out for you? I need a shield. God said to Abram, I am your shield. Yahweh means the divine name. The covenant name of God means I am that I am. But it's an idiom in the Bible that means I am here. God's presence, God's commitment to us, God's interaction with us in life is the proof that we have a shield. And when God is with you, you don't have to be afraid. Friend, God is your shield. No enemy can get at you if God is your shield. No force can drag you down to hell's pit if God is pulling you up to heaven. No one can overtake you if you have given your life to God and the Holy Spirit has overtaken you. The only adequate antidote for the virus of fear in a troubled world is the presence of the living Lord as your shield. And God told Abram, I am your shield. Have you ever, by the way, been arrested? I have been arrested, in fact. When I was a young person, I was throwing smoke bombs at a hospital, and they arrested me. Took me in. We talked our way out of it. The police ended up driving us back to the hospital, letting us go. I couldn't believe it. I never want to do that again, frankly. I don't know. There was a little mercy in the mix. But I have found on a couple of occasions, when I had a speeding ticket or something, an officer would show me his badge. And what does an officer's badge look like? It's a shield. What does the shield represent? It represents the authority to protect, the authority to arrest evil, the authority to take you out if you are in the way of that which is right. When God says, I am your shield, he's saying, I'm the police officer in your life. I'm that force that can arrest evil. I can come into a difficult situation. I can remove it. I can transform it. I can keep you. I can use the full force of divine law for the favor of your life. So I am your shield is a powerful statement. Isaiah 12, 2. God says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Psalms 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And what does it say next? Delivers them. In the Bible, there is a fear that overcomes fear. The fear of the Lord removes fear of others and of the future. In fact, the book of Revelation says the fearful will have their place in the lake of fire. Psalms 118, verse 4. Let those who fear the Lord say his steadfast love endures forever. 
Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. With the Lord on my side, I do not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side to help me. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Intervention number two. God assured Abram that his presence brings a present reward for his faithfulness in life. Have you ever felt like following God as pie in the sky? You get it at the end of life, but what about now? Have you ever asked that question yourself? What do I get now? In Genesis 15.1, the Revised Standard Version reads, Your reward will be very great. The Hebrew has no future verb. The Hebrew simply says, Your reward is exceedingly great. It can also be translated, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Friend, God is the gold that you need more than gold. God is the reward that you need more than a future reward. The presence of God in your life is that which guarantees an outcome at the end of life. And if you have God in the journey, if Jesus is your guide and your shepherd, you have the reward that will come at the end of the age, in time, right now, every day of your life. In the Hebrew, the focus is not on the future, but the present. In the fit of his fear, in the pit of his problem, in the den of his dilemma, God promised Abram that his reward is very great. Perhaps this is the basis for Jesus' statement in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, verse 11. He said, Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so men persecuted the prophets who were before you. The eye of the wicked cannot see the reward of the righteous because it has chosen not to believe that God is near. When you feel the cold press of fear, the antidote is faith to believe that God is near. If you are a Christian and you are beset with problems because you have chosen to follow Jesus Christ, then you are not poor anymore. Did you hear me? You're not poor anymore. Your bank account may not be full, but you're not poor anymore. If you have Jesus Christ, you're rich, wealthy, beyond belief. You have a debit card that can meet every need of life from God's perspective. Use your debit card. Call on the name of the Lord. Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply how many needs? Every need or all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Have you ever said, well, Lord, my needs aren't being met in church, and I come, and no one said hi to me that day. I was seeking someone to lift the burden, and no one did. Oh, Lord, God, I don't know why I go to church. I'm the only faithful one I know. And you get into that kind of pattern. You've never done that, have you? Oh, the preaching was lousy today. Oh, the pastor got up there and he just didn't have it together. And I went to church and I left unfed. Now, as I look at this verse, my needs are met by Jesus Christ, right? They're not met by the preacher. They're not met by the people in the pew. They're met by Jesus Christ. And so when we come to church, the object of our fellowship is to worship the living God in Jesus Christ, correct? Correct. And so for us to be alive, we must use the debit card that calls on the name of the Lord and get off this idea that we're calling on everybody else to fix our problems in life. 
Now, it's true we find strength in association. It's true that we are lifted when we come together. The Bible says, forsake not the assembly of the brethren. But the bottom line is, Christ our righteousness, seized by faith, lays hold of heaven's riches. And God will meet all of your needs according to His riches and glory that are in Christ Jesus. So the music, the preacher's performance, or whatever you want to call it, none of it holds the key to your future development outside of Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness seized by faith. Intervention number three, God assures Abram with a promise that he will have a future and a legacy and a family not yet born. Abram's legacy will be a family of faith that shines like the stars forever. Genesis 15, 4. Your own son will be your heir, God promises. Genesis 15, 5. Your children will be like the stars, God promises. Daniel 12, 3. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. I don't know about you, I'd like to shine like that. I want to have a never-ending story to my life. I want to be found in Christ today, to remain in Christ and to shine for Christ into the ceaseless ages of eternity. Galatians 3.29, And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring or seed, heirs according to the promise. In other words, if you are in Christ, you are one of those stars that will never stop shining into the ceaseless ages of eternity. Abram was in his 80s and his wife was too old to have children. God's promise comes to Abram when the promise is hard to keep. From a human perspective, Abram and Sarah can't have children, period. Too old to have a future. Washed up. Social security check should end by now. The future is unscripted, but certain. Death is on the horizon, you would think. But not so with God. When God speaks, when God's word interacts with your hopeless situation, God instills within it a future and a hope that has no limit, that can move into eternity, that can transform your present attitude situations. So what do you do? You must visualize it and realize it and seize it by faith. What do you do when God makes a promise that seems impossible to keep even for him? You must believe. Abram's response is found in verse 6, Genesis 15, 6. The Bible says, and he believed the Lord and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Has God ever come to you and said, this is impossible Your life may be messed up, but I offer you hope and a future. And you say, you know what? I've been whining all those years, but suddenly I feel the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that what God has promised me will be. And the minute you do that by seizing the Lord Jesus, you are reckoned righteous before a holy and a blameless God. For Richard Dawkins, faith is a virus that messes up our children as it spreads to the world around them. As I said, I hope all of our kids are infected with faith in Jesus. For God, faith is not the disease. Faith is the cure for life without God. How does God accept a fearful man or woman who stumbles from east to west like Abram looking for a promised land, but he follows or she follows? How does God treat a man who slips off the track from time to time as he feebly holds on to the hand of God? but he keeps on holding on. How does God relate to a man who gets sidetracked in life and goes off to Egypt and then tells a little lie there that almost gets him killed, but he pursues the truth in life in spite of his moral failing? 
How does God relate to an old man overcome with fear and afraid of his tomorrow who in the winter of life believes and he keeps on believing when all the evidence says you should surrender faith? What does God do for a man in a journey like that? Friend, the first man in the Bible who believes the word of God, who believes the Lord in such a way is reckoned righteous before God. The epigenetic principle is operative here in Scripture. Every believer, everyone who believes the Lord as Abram believed, just like Abram is accounted righteous because that is how it works. The word reckon in verse 6 is a legal term. It has relational implications, but it's very much a legal term. Friend, the ultimate fear for every soul is the fear of standing in the judgment day naked without a righteousness that will see you through. Am I right or wrong on that? The ultimate fear is to stand before a holy God and to feel the awful eye of condemnation. Am I right? That's the fear that your soul must deal with somehow before the judgment day. Friend, in Jesus, through faith in Jesus, you are not guilty. In Jesus, according to the Holy Scriptures, you are justified by faith for the future judgment day. And you will stand before God because of His merits, because of His beauty, of His moral perfection. In Jesus, if you seize Him by faith and you hang on to Him as Abraham did, you are accepted today in the faith, through the faith, and by the faith that comes from the faith of Jesus. In Jesus, God treats you as if you had never sinned, if you have the faith of Abram. If you believe in Jesus, you are declared righteous today, not guilty before God, not guilty before others, and not guilty before a blameless universe that will open the books in the judgment day, not guilty before the devil's accusations, and in the judgment day, not guilty inside your own head, where it hurts the most to feel the prick of failure, not guilty. The one who has faith in Jesus Christ is reckoned righteous because Abram is the father of us all. Romans 4.20, No distress made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised, that is why his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. But the words it was reckoned to him were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him that raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was put to death, it says, for our trespasses. Now that's the most important truth of the apostolic gospel, that Christ died for our sins. It says, who was put to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification, which means acceptance. Friend, God has dealt with the mess of your life in Jesus. God has dealt with it in a final kind of way. That's why Jesus does not have to be sacrificed ever again, according to the book of Hebrews. That's why if someone teaches you that he has to be sacrificed, that person is at war with the apostolic gospel established by Scripture. Christ's victory stands in time as victory for all time. And you live in the timeline 
of your todays, where you need a victory that is solid and secure, Christ has accomplished for you a victory that secures your relationship with Him every single day of your life. And if you abide in Christ, for you must to have faith, if you are secured in Christ because you will not even let your failures separate you from the one who leads you, then you will find in every day of your life the victory of Jesus. It may come in sorrow as you fall at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I wish I were better. It may come in joy as you have a moral victory or a faith victory. But friend, Christ is with you in the valleys and he's with you at the top of the mountain and he will lead you on the road that goes to glory. The faith of Jesus Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what is the present reward in life for the believer who believes in Jesus by faith? When you believe with faith, unyielding faith like Abraham, you have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. When you believe, you don't have to prove anything to anyone or to God anymore. The war has ended and you belong to God. Peace with God. And God will say to you, I am your shield. Abram believed. Case closed. Not guilty before God anymore. Do you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead for you? Do you believe that he died for you? Case closed if you do. Not guilty before God anymore. Unless you stop believing. This is the first time in the Bible God speaks the divine name to Abram directly. In Genesis 12, 8, Abram called on the name of the Lord at Bethel. After his detour to Egypt, Abram returned to Bethel. And in Genesis 13, 4, he called on the name of the Lord again. And when Abram believes the Lord in Genesis 15, 6, God speaks directly to him in Genesis 15, 7. And he says for the first time in Abram's life, I am the Lord. Well, we are out of time for the first portion of Faith, Fear, and Fire. You can listen to it online at reachingyourheart.com or join us tomorrow as we complete this message. Stop by the worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock at Cedar Ridge Community Church. You can find driving directions online at reachingyourheart.com. Give us a call at 877-788-5371. Thanks for listening, and as always, we pray that God is reaching your heart.